I'm Kevin Sills. I teach fourth grade at Husbandville Christian, and uh, Brooke Mulder, she will be doing a part of this session as well. Unfortunately, um, my partner in Crime Soup Spots is homesick right now. Uh, it would have been awesome. She's great, and this would have been a lot of fun too, but she's not here, so I'll just... I'll cover everything, I guess. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do the salmon part, and uh, Brooke can chime in whenever she wants because she does salmon too, but they also do a sea lamprey uh, study in their building. We don't do that. In fact, I didn't even know it was possible until I found out she was did doing it. Did not enter? I did not. <laughs> last year I got, did, I did get a free salmon to dissect last oh, year, though. We missed out on yeah. that. So, so that was awesome. <laughs> um, so Sue's not here. She used to be our curriculum director, and uh, her son's in here, and she'll say this, too. He'll say this. She can talk you into a lot of things. Yeah. And she came to me and said, you know, as much as you love science, I heard about this program. We should do it. All right, what is it? You can raise salmon in your school. I'm like, oh, all right, Sue, let's try it out. So uh, we're going on our fourth year now. I love it. More importantly, the kids love it. They get so much from it. It's not, we call it salmon in the classroom, but in our building, it's salmon in the building. Because they, we keep our tank in the hallway, so every class that comes by stops and looks in the salmon. Because they have to go see Mr. Randall, our art teacher, and they will stop to see the salmon every day. They'll watch them go through the progression from when they're little tiny eggs all the way to when we get to release them. Every once in a while, I get the opportunity to sneak over there and talk with the little ones about what's going on with these fish, and I'll throw some food in there, and they tear it up, <laughs> and it's just the coolest thing for everyone. There's parents who bring their little kids into our building just to see the salmon. Um, it's therapy. For some kids, for some kids who like just need to get out of the classroom or they just need a break, you'll see some of our teachers bringing their kids down and they'll just watch the salmon. So it's been awesome. Um, I happen to have a thing for animals, uh, so this falls right in there. Oh, so sorry. no, you're good, Lisey. Um, good job, Lisey. Um, so this is a DNR program. That are we all Michigan teachers in here? We all. From Michigan, I don't know what Chicago or what Illinois or what Indiana or what other states would be represented here. Wisconsin, Wisconsin what their DNR would do, but uh, this is what ours does. So it's it's designed because of a problem that happened in the past. We'll talk about that a little bit, um, and it's just to educate kids about what's going on in our fisheries and uh, what's going on in our Great Lakes. So, Lisey. Uh, why Chinook salmon? Their life cycle begins in the fall, just like school does. They can be raised in our building, similar to what the DNR does. They live in an aquarium, they're fun to watch eat, and they can be released in the spring at three to five inches. So here is the life cycle. So we get them here as eggs, and we go all the way through to the smolts, and that's when we get to let them go. I mean, it's, it's really an awesome process to watch and just to see and talk about the life cycle. So every school does life cycles is somewhere in their curriculum. Um, so that's why we do it. Um, yeah, Lisey? So um, salmon are actually originated in the 
Pacific Ocean. Uh, so they can actually live in salt water and fresh water, which is an amazing thing to talk about too. But they live three or four years, and then they actually swim back. I don't know if you guys know the salmon story. <laughs> they will swim back to where they were born, and they will go lay their eggs there, and then they will die, and the new eggs will go through the whole thing all over again. It's, it's a wonderful story to tell your children. Okay? Um, but they're just, it's a, an amazing creature that they can actually do that. That's why we can actually have them in the Great Lakes. So, um, did you go too? I did, sorry. <laughs> we should have rehearsed. I know. Um, when I was a kid, a long time ago, even before I was born, there was an overpopulation of alewives in the lakes and they were all over the beaches of the Great Lakes and they had to figure out how to take care of them. They found out the Pacific Ocean has Chinook salmon and that's all they eat. When they're adults, all they eat is alewives. And they can live in fresh water. So they brought them in to take care of that problem. Next. Um, now the problem is how do you balance that? Uh, when we went on our first tour of uh, the fish hatchery, one of our kids said, well, why don't you just raise more alewives? And the lady said, we could take all of our hatcheries and fill them full of alewives and raise alewives and raise alewives, release them, and within like two days, they'd be all eaten again. That's how many alewives that the salmon will consume. So now the balance. There has to be balance, and that's what they're working on right now. Um, next. So, ants. <laughs> salmon can grow over 30 pounds. The state record's over 46 pounds. There was actually one this year that some guy caught. I, I saw it in a news article. It was huge. And he let it go. And people are like, why'd you let it go? And he's like, I just wanted it to go back to where it was going. All right. Um, 330, oh, they travel 50 to 60 miles uh, per day. 330,000 salmon were stocked in uh, last year. I think it was last year or the year before. 70. 70% of salmon are wild dogs. Uh, when they're little, they eat aquatic insects until they're large enough to eat alewives. Um, actually, if you go out in the big lakes and you catch a salmon, um, they have an adipose fin on the bottom. If they have one, it's wild. If they don't, you know it was raised in a hatchery. It's like a little thing that cuts them off before they release them into the Great Lakes. So you can tell the difference between wild and uh, a hatchery range salmon. You're supposed to report them too when you catch them, and if they don't have a fin and you're cleaning them, you're supposed to cut their heads off, and somebody should be there from the DNR. You're supposed to give it to them so they can do research because they usually have a chip in them. So, and people don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> they just want the good eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look what I caught. I don't want to mess with that. All right, next. So why do we need hatcheries? Um, Six billion dollars a year is what they make doing charter fishing and other fishing in the Great Lakes. Um, without hatcheries, that would happen, and 40% of the fish that are caught are raised in hatcheries. So, next slide. So how do we use the program? Um, the DNR gives you a nice three-ray binder with all kinds of ideas and stuff that you can use. Um, you don't need to recreate. Uh, you can adapt it to what you're teaching in your classroom so that you can teach about salmon. Um, 
What did we do last year? We did the Fish of the Great Lakes project, which if you were here early enough, that slideshow was showing some of those fish. Um, Mr. Randall, salmon artwork, yeah. Um, and we did a salmon dissection last year, a trip to the hatchery, and then, huh, when are we gonna release the salmon? When are we gonna release the salmon? That's like the highlight of the year. Um, they name them, they, it's funny, because you know, every year, you know, the process isn't perfect, but sometimes like the eggs will fall or hatch and they'll come out deformed and you'll watch that deformed little salmon try to survive and the kids will all name that one and they'll check on them every day and it's, it's a, a lot of fun to do. So um, you can, there's so many different things you can tie into your curriculum if you're a science teacher or even if you're not. Lisey? Um, Animal dichotomy, we do, we've done adaptations, life cycles, food chains. Uh, they do water quality testing, right, Brooke? Yep. Um, we don't get, I teach fourth grade, so we, we talk about poop in the water and if there's too much of that or not. Uh, that's about as far as we go. Uh, conservation, habitats. Uh, in third grade, our school does a Michigan study, so that's why we talk about, um, we do the fish of the Great Lakes. And then um, also invasive and native, invasive versus native species. So there's so many different things you can do with that. All right, Lisey. So training, this is what you need to do, and it's not bad. It's not, I mean, you go for a morning, uh, they'll bring you food, you go through the different facts about salmon, you get educated about why we're doing this, and um, you get certified. If I can be certified in that, anybody can be. All right? Um, you don't have the support. We have um, local There's local people who like have money. Like We are earmarked money to donate and give for certain things. So we are Trout Unlimited of West Michigan, and they even email us every year. Do you guys have everything you need? Do you need anything else? Last year they wanted to take our kids fishing. But we didn't work that into our, it was just too many hoops we had to jump through to get kids to all the fish. I would have loved it, but we didn't not do that. Um, time and patience, it's good to be learning things. <laughs> it is time consuming. You do need to be patient. There are fish that die. Um, Brooke's first year didn't go so well. <laughs> All of them. All of them died. And you don't, you, did you get more of them? We did. The okay. DNR yeah. is really gracious. Yes. And they said, all right, here's what you need to do to fix it. And um, we ended up having really poor water quality. And we didn't know that going into it. They don't make you do like a water quality test from your municipal water source. So I just thought, oh, it looks good. It's clear. <laughs> and when we did the testing, nothing really came out weird. But then... Once they were supposed to hatch, they would just die off. And then we realized that something's going on here, and we ended up having to get a reverse osmosis system put in to make sure our water was free from chlorine, which I think is what was the killer. So that is, that, and that's an extra expense that you're not really thinking about right. when you start this program. But. I don't, who's your sponsor? Is it? So we we actually didn't get a sponsor this year, so I need to get into Oh yeah. Yeah, I'll send you their contact information. Yes. Um, 
Like, yeah, we thought one year, <laughs> I thought one year my chiller wasn't getting cold enough. I didn't know why. It would not get to where the DNR wanted to be at a certain temperature. And I could not figure it out. So I read the directions <laughs> on the chiller, because I, I thought our chiller's broken. So I sat down, and it was like, oh, you've got to hold this button down for 10 seconds, and then you hit this button, and then you can adjust the temperature, because it comes preset to a, a certain temperature, and it won't change unless you follow directions. So um, like, there's, it's okay to learn new things. It's okay to read directions. <laughs> Um, so, egg problems, there's always some eggs that you'll get and they look great and they will die off. You start with a 150, last year was 150, the year before they were like, let's try 200. Uh, that wasn't, that didn't work so well. You gotta imagine, if you hatch, we have a 55 gallon tank, and if you hatch and you raise over 120 fish in 55 gallons, it gets dirty pretty fast. So then you end up doing more water changes. So I'm glad they bumped that number back down. Our first year we released 121 out of 150. We thought we were rock stars. <laughs> it was awesome. And then the next year was, I think, we wanted one per kid. We got there. I think it was 80 something. Uh -huh. yep. uh, last year was 100, over 100 again. Um, and it, it's always different. I didn't know that I had to change the filters out more than once during the whole season. I actually cleaned them out and I found some dead fish in there that had gotten sucked up into the filter. You know, we had fish flop out the back that were there for a little while. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's, there's, there's some problems. Temperature issues, uh, water quality, school breaks for a guy who loves to go away on spring break and to find someone to make sure they can feed him because that's kind of... Um, a major type of their growth when they're growing a lot. So, you know, you beg people who are staying around. Um, one of our secretaries was staying over spring break. And she was going to stop by every day anyway, so I taught her how to feed the fish. And I have multiple animals, so it's always, there's a lot of hurdles I have to go through whenever I want to go away. Um, equipment issues and time. Um, I think... Honestly, for the, the hardest part for me is when we start getting into uh, doing the water changes. When they're eggs, it's easy. They just sit in there. Once they start eating and pooping, then you've got to change the water out. You know, the bigger they get, the more they eat, the more they poop. Um, there's, there is ways around it. There's better ways to do water changes than what I do. You know, I just empty buckets and put more buckets in. But you can get um, a python hose, which you can attach to a faucet. And it'll suck your water out and you flip a switch, and it'll put water back in again. Um, I just haven't found a hose. Our building's really old, and all of the faucets are, don't adapt to what I have yet. So once I get that down, it'll be a lot easier. So, Lisey, how am I doing? All right. I'm doing great. Um, so these are hatchery pictures. This is the Wolf Lake hatchery. Uh, these are some of the cousins of some of the ones we raised. Our kids. Um, I would highly suggest touring the hatchery, and they would highly suggest you come see it. It's a super cool place, because they don't just do salmon. Um, we've seen there's sturgeon there. Yep. Uh, we've seen the walleye eggs, uh, steelhead eggs, and then the, the pond where you get to go feed the fish is always a highlight. 
All right, next, Lisi. Um, so what do our students do? Well, we learn about salmon and Michigan fish. They help with the care. We, I teach the kids um, how to do the water testing. Volunteer only. I don't force kids to do water testing because they do it during the recess. So it's volunteer. You want to come in and test water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they come in, we teach them how to shake it, let it sit, test for pH, and for nitrogen and nitrates and all of that stuff. Um, and then we rotate. The next group of kids teaches another group of kids. Um, and then we feed. I love feeding the salmon. I really do because they attack that food. It is so much fun. I mean, you can physically get wet when you feed salmon. They're all over the place like that. Um, and we release them when they're smolts. All right. See how happy those kids are? You guys want happy kids like that, don't you? <laughs> is that? Oh, sorry. Right. You go to the next one. Okay. What river was that at for you? So that's Rush Creek. It's a tributary to the Grand River which leads to Lake Michigan. It happens to be in my backyard area. <laughs> so that was kind of nice. Do they specify where you release them? Um, you will. You can send them an email, say this is where we're planning on releasing our fish, and they will say if it's acceptable or not. Basically anything that kind of leads out to Lake Michigan. Survival rate in the wild is pretty low. You know, I think it's like three to four out of all 150 fish that you have, um, which is why salmon release, that's why they lay so many eggs, because survival rate's not very high. And it's okay for the kids to know that, too. You know? We, I think last year, or two years ago, was the first time we actually showed the eggs being fertilized. Oh. <laughs> like, the way God planted it. We've, I think at the hatchery they'll show up how they like, milk them into a bucket and they fertilize them artificially like that. But we watched them in the wild and how they did it. They're like, <laughs> 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 like uh, this? Anyway. <laughs> this is a simple reproduction right here. <laughs> it's just not right there. <laughs> Kevin, can you tell a little bit about like the process of releasing them? Like, what do we do with the kids? And yeah, so our goal is always to try to make sure we have one per kid. So when we're all done, um, I drain the tank, we put the fish in buckets, and we get on the bus, we go meet at the creek, and every kid gets a baggie. They get water and put it in the baggie or put a fish in the baggie, then we set in the stream so they get acclimated to the temperature water. And I do a water temperature test before we go to see, I think last year was like two or three degrees difference. So it really wasn't that long. And then they sit them in the water, and they talk to them. <laughs> and when, then we do a countdown. So we had 80-something we kids last year stretched throughout a creek, and we counted down from 10, I'm sure the neighbors around there could hear us. And um, then we let them go, and the kids, we tell them not to move a whole lot because the kids downstream are trying to watch for them come up, you know, come past their legs. They're like, you can go, make it, you got it. Um, it's a very, like, Fourth of July, like, moment. It's, the kids just eat it up, so... 
Yeah, how, how long did the application process take, like, just from the, the day you approached the DNR to... So the DNR offers a couple class periods yes. you can go to, Yeah. and you go to that class period and you leave and you're certified. But the application, but you just, it's a, oh. I think it's a page. It's one yeah. little page, and then you fill it out in the... There's a link on the CEA website that, to the DNR page that shows you everything that you need to do, and even the curriculum's all there. How many schools do they select? Anyone. Anyone that... You want to do it? Oh, wow. Really get it. Yeah. You have to have, so if you don't have a sponsor, you need to have $1,000 that you're going to spend on, like, the tank materials. So you have to expect that once you get selected, but I don't think that they deny anybody. Uh, we got a timeline where you have to apply by. I think it's in the. It's, it's in the fall. It's, it's like you have you can do it now, and I think that they will accept you maybe until like February. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. egg pickups November this year. Yeah. So, I you could probably yeah. I don't know when the classes are. I take it back to your school and say, hey, this is something we want to do. I know um, applications are on the website. You can go to the DNR's website and just search Sam in the classroom, and the applications are there. I didn't do all that. Sue did that. She <laughs> <laughs> told me where to be and when to be there. <laughs> but it's honestly, it's. I think it's been an amazing program. I, yeah, there's a lot of work, but every day we go to our classroom, it's a lot of work. It's not about us, it's what the kids get out of it. And the science that they get out of this, because they start asking those questions you want kids to ask, you know, I think some of the best questions we've ever had in science discussions have been about, you know, animals and nature and things like that. And they started because of the salmon that we've been raising. You know, our kids know about predator and prey easily because they know what eats salmon and what do salmon eat. Um, there's just all kinds of different things you can do with it. And, yeah. and there's always people who want to get out of board. Yeah? I was just going to ask a question about that. Like, tank setup, if you're not sponsored and you, you pay, like, are you in charge of like going out and getting all the different parts? Or do they have like, a kit that you buy? No, nope, there's a whole shopping list. <laughs> they give you this... Like, I would suggest to get one of our emails because they give you this massive list, and I'll admit it's really overwhelming. You're like, do I need all this? And there's certain things that I don't think you really no. need, but there's certain things that you really must have. So I would definitely come in contact with somebody that is already doing it yeah. so they can tell you. you like, one of the things on there was uh, gloves. I don't, I don't need any gloves. <laughs> I'll just stick my hand in there and I'll clean that tag nice. So, and then you lose all feeling in your face. Yeah, it's <laughs> It is kind of cold at 52 degrees, 49, yeah. whatever it is. So I got these gloves. I go, I you know, I look like a veterinarian, a large animal vet. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and now it's a lot easier to clean the tank. I remember when we first set ours up, we... I don't know if this was a mistake or not, but we had something called the salmon cam, and it was like this cam that students could like watch how the tank was doing at home, which we thought initially would be a great idea. But we weren't used to having some of the equipment, and one day stuff things broke, and my friend and I were like in the tank pretty much trying to fix it. Where does this hose go? I don't know. And um, it was a commotion. And then a student came in the next day and said, 
out. What were you guys doing around around like seven o'clock last night? And we're like, oh gosh, I forgot about that darn salmon camp. We, do, we have a salmon camp too, but only I have access to it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. If, you know, for like 30 bucks, you can get a camera with an app. And if I'm gone and need to make sure the, camera, the tank is still running and the fish are doing what they're supposed to be doing, I can just check out them at any time. Yes. What is what is that called? Salmon. Is it just the salmon cam? Like, no, no, it's just like any like nanny cam. cam you can get on oh, Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, nanny so cam. Which, and it's an, there's an app for it. Oh, everyone comes with an app. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, and I do. I can show you my classroom right now because I have it in my room going, and I always tell the kids when I walk out, don't forget I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. All the time. <laughs> Yes. Um, as far as feeding them goes, like, where do you just go to PetSmart or whatever? No, so they supply all the food. It's actually a combination of like vitamins and chicken feathers and dead fish okay. that are ground up into little pellets, and you get them in the stages. Okay. On each packet, it's well labeled. You're doing this for two weeks at this amount. Then you take this packet, you're doing it for this amount. Um, it's, it's really easy. easy. Yeah. yeah. And then you can also, if you dare, they have automatic feeders. We have one. Yeah, where it just drops in that amount every time you need it. And I, I have two of them. I just, I like to be there doing it. You know, that whole, is it going to drop too much in? It's is it not going to drop enough? Because when you do, so we only have the automatic feeder going on the weekends because the students love to feed the fish. But when sometimes if a student, like, oh, I'm going to, like, move the notch. And yeah. they, like, move it too much, and then you just get this, mound of food in the tank, then it's a problem. That throws off all your water yeah. qualities. So it's a little risky, but spring break it is yeah. helpful, I guess. I, I, yeah, I bought two of them, I just get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Brooke's going to talk a little bit about sea lamprey, and then if you have any more questions and we have time, we yeah. go for that. So, so sea lamprey, you can click to the next one. So this, I don't know if this was a good thing or a bad thing, but I found out that there was sea lamprey in Michigan education. Uh, this is a new program. And it is a pilot program, so I don't even know if they think it's a good idea yet, but it was really eye-opening. Um, it's just an extension for uh, two salmon in the classroom. So really, you can't just do the sea lamprey without doing the salmon. You have to have the salmon first, and then they realize, like, oh, there's all these teachers with these empty tanks. Why don't we use them after they've been released? So at the end of the salmon release, you have this empty tank. You can apply, and you're selected by a lottery system, even though my friend Carla here will tell you that we were selected because nobody else wanted anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you get two sea uh, lamprey in your tank for about two to three weeks until the end of school. So it is quite the process, and you'll see some um, pros and cons with that in just a little bit. When you get them, they are they're dying. And so what was sort of good for us a little bit is we had trouble with keeping the salmon alive, as I told you. And so when the students found out that we were getting lamprey, they're like, oh, well, if we kill them, they were already dying. <laughs> so that, was, that wasn't so bad. But it's really interesting because they're old. If you look at this, they spend a majority of their life, sometimes 10 years, as just a little larva. And then they go out into the lake, and for 12 to 18 months, that's when they feed on fish. 
And then they go off the rivers to spawn, and that's when the DNR collected them, and that's when you have them. And really, they're strictly there just to observe. We are only looking at them and relating them to what we talked about in the year about invasive species and how it relates to the salmon. Click to the next one. So what's really amazing is this LY salmon sea lamprey connection. I get students every year that will say, like, well, Ms. Mulder, if they're so bad, why did God create an organism that is that destructive? And it's a really good question. But I always tell them, like, think about it. Think about their name. What's their name? It's a third sea lamprey. What's the sea? These originated from the ocean. They're not a problem in the ocean. They're not invasive in the ocean. If they attach to a really big fish in the ocean, they're not going to kill that fish. They enter into the Great Lakes, and they become a problem. So when the Welland Canal was built around Niagara Falls, that's when the sea lamprey were able to get into the lakes, and then they became this massive problem, which is really interesting because these owl lives, some people think that the owl lives actually died off because of the sea lamprey. Because when the owl wife population was, like, there was so many of them that they were washing up on shore, they think that's because the sea lamprey were eating all of those big host fish, all those trout. And then once the trout population went down so much, there was just this abundance of owl wives that washed up on the shore. And then the DNR said, what are we going to do about this? So they introduced, the, the, well, they introduced coho salmon, realized it was too hard to raise in the hatcheries, and then they introduced Chinook salmon. So it's a really interesting story to find out, well, actually, these lamprey are the reason that a lot of people are fishing for kings. Like, that, they might not be here if it wasn't for the lamprey. So if you want to click this video, it talks a little bit about, and you, you get to see them, like, wiggle and slime. They're pretty the sea originally came you can from the ocean, the, they are yeah. known to act as a parasite towards fish once fully grown. Like most invasive species that find their way into the Great Lakes, they tend to do more bad than good for the ecosystem. This created an issue for the commercial fishing due to the sea land breaking so, out large amounts you of fish. Just click the, you, um, it wouldn't let me go full. Oh, it's fine. If you could just like slide over to like the end-ish, maybe like... We don't really need it. It's just very interesting to see how far how you want to use like right. Yeah, we'll just watch it. I'll show you. Which has a jaw filled with teeth. Okay. So this is what we're working with here, and and they that's how they move. They are they're elusive. They they don't like to be held. I'll tell you that. Um, okay. So you don't have to play that. That's kind of. He goes on. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to talk about how when they're in that like 12 to 18 months out in the lakes that they will eat or kill 40 pounds of fish in that 12 to 18 months. So that's one, one sea lamprey. And if you can imagine what the, when the explosion happened and what that did to all the population. So we can go to the next one. All right, so at its peak, uh, the DNR said that there were 15 million pounds of lake trout harvested every year. And then when the sea lamprey came at their peak, only 2% of them remained, which is, which is so sad. And then they, they also go on to say that 85% of the fish caught at that time had wounds on them. And sea lamprey are, like, they have a, a mouthful of teeth, and they have a tongue that has, it's like, it just bores into the, the skin and the flesh of these fish. So it, it's terrifying, really. And then once lampricide was introduced, 
these are little larval forms that were killed by lamprosite that just washed up. And that's kind of interesting for students to know, because if you see those, that, that was, they were lamprey. They were killed by lamprosite. So that's been helping a lot. All right. Now, <laughs> oh, oh, you, oh, sorry, you can't access these. Um, so this, I want to talk to you about what actually happened when we signed up for this program. Uh, this picture here is an accurate description of what I looked like driving these lamprey from the DNR to our school. So the, I was just really worried that the cooler was going to somehow open and I would just be driving with these creatures um, everywhere. So, but we made it, um, praise God, <laughs> and it was fine until I got to school. And I wheeled my cooler in, and it was quite late. And I remember, like, oh, nobody's here, so I guess I'll just have to do this. And I opened the cooler, and there they are, like, slashing around in the bottom of this cooler with, like, ice over them. And I just stared at them, and I thought, I guess this might be the end of this experience. Like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get them into the tank. And uh, after a while, I mustered up the courage and was able to grab them and put them in the tank. And the DNR does require you, you need to have gardening gloves, like soft gloves, because they are so slippery. They are just full of slime. And if you grab one and you're like kind of timid about it, like I was, they just, and then they're gone. So I was able to get both of them in the tank, and then this video that you can't see because you don't have access to it showed you like how big they were and what they looked like in the tank and they were about this big. All right. All right. When you go to the hatchery and this is what you can do with your students. I don't have any pictures of this happening in my room. Um, probably because I was half, um, having a minor heart attack when we were doing this. Um, but, the, but the DNR will give you a sea lamprey demonstration, Wolf Lake Fish Hatchery, for anybody that's next to Kalamazoo area. They give you this field trip for free, which is amazing. And they will take the sea lamprey out of their tank, and they will go around, attach it to a plastic or a glass um, plate so that the students can see it and they can feel it. They obviously say that you cannot have the students attach the lamprey to their hand. The students always ask, well, would it hurt me? And we are not cold-blooded, so no, it's not going to like bore into you. But yeah, it probably wouldn't feel very good, so you're not allowed to do that. So if you go to the next one, this is so the students can see that mouth. They can see all the rows of teeth. And a weird thing, since they are old, their teeth tend to fall out. So when you have them in your tank, you're like, what is that? Is that a rock? What is that thing? It could be a tooth. They do lose their teeth in their old age. <laughs> All right. Um, and free field trip, you said? It is free. Yeah, if you just, um, if you, her name's Shayna Ramsey. Shayna Ramsey. And just go to Wolf Lake Hatchery website. Yeah. Wolf Lake And they, they were so great with um, triple E being a thing, and we were supposed to go do like a macroinvertebrate study. But oh, we'll just bring the macroinvertebrates inside, and then you can look at them. And they had this whole thing set out, and it was awesome. So I would definitely recommend that. And, <laughs> and this is a great, uh, great image of how students feel about this. Some are totally freaked out, and others are like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Um, all right, go to the next one. Okay, <laughs> my favorite, and actually this is perfect timing because this guy right here, Dan, this he took What a great photo! <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think uh, Bre 
photographer. Yes, the perfect representation brings the one behind the student that's like, oh gosh, I don't know about this. Um, but the students really do love it. There's very minor uh, tape adjustments that have to be made. You don't have to worry about them as much as you have to worry about the salmon, which sounds kind of bad, but you do end up having to kill them at the end. So if they die on their own with natural causes, I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay, so, and I'll get to that part in just a little bit. Um, they are super slimy. Everything that they touch turns into just this slime layer, so be ready for that. And I have this third thing here, the great escape. Um, it kind of speaks for itself, but the DNR warns you about this. They say if you have an opening more than a size of a quarter at the top of your tank, and it is not like protected with cardboard or tape, they're going to get out. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I like, taped it all down. It was fine until I went to go get them out so the students could see them. I did a first hour, got the, got the one lamprey out, and it was fine, went around the room, all was well, threw it back in, it was fine. So then they breathe really, really heavy. Like, you can see their gills really working, and I thought, well, I better go get the other lamprey so that we can do it for the next class. So I went to get the other lamprey, and I must have known that it was inside to be shown to everybody, because I opened the tank, and I, it was like a half of a second. It shot around and zipped right out of the tank, <laughs> onto the counter, and then proceeded to weasel its way back behind the tank. And I, and mind you, there's like 25 students that are yelling at the top of their lungs that the lamprey got out, and, and I couldn't really get the lamprey because it was wedged behind the tank, so I, you had to pull it out, and it flopped over here and landed on the floor, and it was, I don't think the students will ever forget it. I don't think I will either, but you do have to take precautions because I have a friend that did this. There was another crazy person that got selected for this up north, and he said that one of his lamprey died because it got out during the night and it died on the floor. So, yeah. That's really peaceful compared to how they died. <laughs> oh, yes. And then speaking of how they died, um, the euthanization process, uh, the DNR requires that you do kill them before the end of the school year. And they give you this, like, list of ways that you could humanely do this. And we chose the um, shovel bot method, which, uh, <laughs> which, which is all, all of the... Can you send me the link? And then, and then they're dead. And the DNR give you this really great dissection piece in the pamphlet that shows you how to dissect a lamprey. And I was all for that. I thought, well, we got these dead lamprey. This is going to be great. We get to do a dissection for free. And I didn't think about the fact that most dissections are done with preserved specimen. And it was warm. And it was really bloody. And we went to look in the mouth, and the teeth just fell out. It was it was a little cringy, but it was really interesting. All right, we're going to go to the next one. 
So in order to do this, if you're excited about it or if it interests you, you do have to join Salmon in the Classroom, which is a very easy process. Go to the DNR's website, fill out that form, have your principal sign it, and then you get selected. So that's awesome. They give you the Salmon Sense newsletter every single month with little updates, and usually the Lamprey application comes out in October. It just came out. so. I'm going to apply again, even though I was a little scared. Uh, and then it's just a Google form. It's very simple. I think it had like 12 questions on it. You fill that out, and then you anxiously wait until February to see if you are the only person that applied. It really just needs one question. Yeah, are you really, are you willing to do this? Yes. And uh, then I don't know. Okay, this is one of my favorites, Benjamin Franklin, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, involve me and I learn. I really feel like as much as we can talk about invasive species, the students don't really care all that much until they are getting out of the way of one because it's flopping around on the ground. It is so awesome to see how much these students are interacted with all of this, the salmon in the classroom, the sea lamprey, they love science only because they're doing these weird, crazy things. So I just really love that. And then lastly, there is this book. If you go to one last one, um, it's called The Death and Life of the Great Lakes. And it is so good. If you are interested in biology or just interested in the Great Lakes in general, it talks about all the ebbs and flows of what humans have done to impact the Great Lakes for the good, for the bad. And it's, um, it's really, really helpful in this whole lesson of salmon, sea lamprey, everything. So, do you have any questions about that? Yeah? Did they, did they bring any of their biologists that worked for them like into your classroom at all during the year? They didn't during the year. They did not. But if... Um, I think if you asked them, they would be, they're so helpful. I think we could easily get or have somebody either come in or we could go there. They're so helpful. That, that's a good idea. Any other questions? All right. Well, thank you. Um, if you need me to sign your sketch form, I can do that. My classroom is right out, like, the door of my classroom is here. The salmon tank is here. And so I can hear all the, it really is, our whole building is involved. You can hear all the little kids, like, I see one. I see it. Is that one hatch? Is that one dead? There's one on the ground. Like, you, it's great. It's so fun, and they're so enthusiastic about it. So thank you for sharing more, and hopefully some of you are inspired to get involved. Um, yeah, I'm happy to sign your sketch forms, and I'm sure Kevin and Brooke are happy to answer any more questions that you might have. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm.